Good morning. Um, I just wanted to give a little introduction to our brother who is serving us with a word this morning. Um, seven years ago when we started the church, a part of the DNA of the church that we wanted to emphasize was joining God with his work overseas. And so we began praying, you know, Lord, where would you have us serve? What region? What peoples? And whatnot. Um, and we ended up going on a trip with First Baptist Pedal in Mississippi to Indonesia. We went to um, Kalimantan, and, and we were there for about a week or so. Um, and it was wonderful. The Lord did great things. But probably one of the most important aspects of that trip was the Lord connecting us with a wonderful, godly lady named Vera. Um, many of you know of Vera, and, and, and we keep up with her. We pray for her. She's beyond amazing. Um, and in the course of that you know, week, laboring alongside her, she said, you know, we you got to meet some of my friends, uh, the Glass family. Um, and so we returned, we began, you know, talking with her, and then we eventually made connections uh, with Matthew and Amanda Glass and their four beautiful boys. Um, and in the last five or six years, they've been our ministry partners in Indonesia. And so if we've ever gone to Indonesia and Timor-Leste, we've partnered alongside with them, uh, joining them with the work of the Lord that they're doing. Um, and so they've come in this week, and really the goal is just to encourage them, to be encouraged by them, mutual edification, to rest. Um, and we're in talks about uh, potentially becoming their sending church. Um, and so we're here discussing membership with them this week. And so I wanted to sort of give you a little intro of who's manning the pulpit. Because um, it's typical you see brothers from this church preaching. And in a very real way, Matt is a brother of this church. He's a partner. He's someone we uh, pray for regularly and we're blessed by. And so we are... Uh, happy and overjoyed that they've been here in the states for uh, a time and that they're here with us this week and so with that being said uh, let's sit under the word and let the word do the work and so i'm going to turn it over to matt well good morning brothers and sisters it is a great blessing a great privilege to be here with you um i think when i think about this church i have a great amount of joy in my heart as I think about our partnership, our fellowship in the gospel work that's going on in Indonesia in Timor-Leste. Um, I was reading earlier from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and the Apostle Paul talks about going to the city of Troas. And he said that God gave him an open door to preach the gospel there in Troas. But he said he did not stay there. He moved on because his partner, his the one that he fellowshiped in the ministry with, Titus, was not there. And so he just didn't feel good about staying there, and so he moved on. And so to me, that emphasizes the great importance of fellowship in the gospel ministry. And so when we think about St. Rose Community Church, we think of a church that is in fellowship with us in Indonesia and Timor-Leste in the ministry of the gospel. And so we are thankful to you all, brothers and sisters. We're thankful for your prayers. We're thankful for your support. We're thankful for your kindness in so many different ways. So this morning, if you have a Bible, please open it to Genesis chapter 11. We're going to read verses 1 through 9 in Genesis chapter 11. We're going to be studying, as it says on the screen behind me, the plight of humanity and the mercy of God. 
the plight of humanity, and the mercy of our great God. We'll begin in verse number one. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose will not, will, to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. And so the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. So as I said, today we're going to be studying about the plight of humanity and the mercy of our great God. And what we see in this text is that the Bible is the story of humanity's rebellion and God's judgment. But in mercy, God has worked in history to redeem a people from every tribe and tongue and nation. As God's people, then, it is our calling to live our lives defined by God's story and God's ways. Before we go on, let's go to the Lord again in prayer. Our great and merciful God, we give you thanks for this day. Lord, I thank you that as the people of God, we can gather together and we can worship you freely. I thank you, Lord, that you have made each and every person who is in this room today, who is in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have made us a trophy of your grace. All of us, Lord, who know Christ and who are found in him, we have experienced grace upon grace upon grace. And so, Father, our desire today is to gather together as the people of God. Our desire is to worship you and praise you. Our desire is that your name would be made great. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us during this time. Lord, we're aware of our weakness. We're aware, Lord, that many of us have entered this church building today with burdens from life. And so, Lord, we need your word. We need you to strengthen us today. We need your spirit to work in our hearts. God, we don't want to just be hearers of the word, but we want to be doers of the word. Men and women and, and children who listen to your word taught and who apply it in our lives. We want to be people who bring glory to your name, who exalt the name of Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that you would work in us today. We pray that you would teach us. We pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds that we might understand the things that you have spoken to us in your word. 
Oh God, we think of the plight of humanity that is told about here at the Tower of Babel. And Lord, we realize that most of this world is still living in that darkness. Most of this world still groans under that plight and that burden of sin. And so God, we pray that you would raise up gospel messengers. From St. Rose Community Church, we pray that you would raise up men and women who boldly proclaim the good news of what Christ has done for humanity. Oh God, we thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. And we pray now that you would help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers and sisters, I have had the great privilege of going to many places throughout the world, meeting many different people from different ethnic groups, different languages. And one thing that I've noticed is that wherever I go, when you ask people about themselves or about their ethnic group or their tribe, one thing that they do is they will tell you a story to define who they are. And and so one thing that I've noticed is that stories shape who we are. They shape how we view ourselves. They shape how we view our nation. They shape even how we view our churches. They shape who we are. And you know, one reason why we gather together every week and why we talk about the mercy of God every single week, the kindness of God every single week, is because we want stories like that to shape us as the people of God. Because if stories like that do not shape us, then it's the stories of the world that will shape us, right? And so that's why every single week we meet together and we study the scriptures and we rehearse this great story of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. It's because every single week we are in need of being transformed and changed. And our minds are in need of being reshaped and refashioned. Because every single week, throughout the week, I don't know about you guys, but every single week we are bombarded by the stories of this world. So we need God's story. We need God's story to anchor us as the people of God. And so that's why it's so important that we find ourselves in that story. And that we remind ourselves constantly about God's story of mercy and grace in Jesus Christ. And so that's another reason why we also need to read the Bible and study the Bible from beginning to end, right? From Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 21. We need to read and study our Bible from beginning to end because it is one big, coherent, cohesive story that God has written for us. And it defines all that he has done throughout history to redeem a people for his own possession. And that people, brothers and sisters, includes us right here in St. Rose, Louisiana. And so the Tower of Babel is one step, one stage, you could say, in that story. And in many ways, it it gives us the background, the backdrop for the rest of of the story and how it plays out. Because we see immediately after this chapter 11, we have a chapter 12 in the book of Genesis. And it's there in chapter 12 that God calls the man Abram from Ur. 
And he begins to work through this one man and through this family for his redemptive purposes in history. And so this is the backdrop in many ways to the story of Abraham and the story of Israel. And it tells us of the plight of humanity, the condition that all people live in. What we see from the very beginning of the book of Genesis is that God created humanity in His own image. Male and female, He created them. But then we see in chapter 3 that humanity fell into sin. And since that fateful day that Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God, nothing has ever been the same in this world. Adam and Eve not only fell into sin, but they brought with them all of their posterity. All of their descendants that would ever come from them were brought into sin with Adam and Eve. And so we see as we read on in the book of Genesis... That God looks, it tells us in Genesis chapter 6, He looks upon the face of this earth and He sees that the thoughts and the intentions of man's heart were only evil continually. Now why is that? Why is that humanity would be in such a desperate condition? Well, it's because all of us fell with Adam. And so sin remained, and sin continued, and sin developed. And it's almost like sin is presented in the book of Genesis as having a mind of its own. It is spiraling out of control. And is bringing human, the human species that was created in the image of God, it was bringing us with Him. And so we see in Genesis chapter 7, Genesis chapter 8, that God decides to wipe humanity off the face of this earth. He brings his judgment. But in wrath, he remembered mercy. And he spared the family of Noah, his sons, and their wives. But we see immediately after Noah comes off that ark, and God reestablishes his covenant with humanity, and Noah then offers a sacrifice, we see that sin has not been wiped away. God wiped sinners off the face of this earth, but sin was still in the heart of man. And that's why we see one of the first things that Noah does after coming off the ark is he falls into sin. And it's obvious from the story of Genesis that the effects of Adam's decision that day in the garden have remained. Sin still remains. And so what we have here in the book of Genesis chapter 11, chapter 11 in the book of Genesis, is we have not only sin in an individual, sin in the heart of one single person like Noah, but we have sin that is described at a societal level. Here is a group of sinners who have come together and they have settled in this place called Babel on the plains of Shinar. And so in verses 1 through 4, in Genesis chapter 11, we see here humanity's disobedience against God. Let's read verses 1 through 4 once again. It says, The whole earth had the same language and vocabulary. As people migrated from the east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. 
They said to each other, come, let, let's make oven-fired bricks. They used brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. Let's make a name Let's make a name for ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered throughout the earth. And so we see here in verse number 1 that the people had one language in Babel. It says that the whole earth was there. They had one language and they had the same words. In other words, there was no hindrance whenever they were there in Babel to their communication. Right? It doesn't indicate that they lived peacefully with one another. But there was no hindrance to their communication. And that is something that is significant. I remember when my family and I first moved to Indonesia, we had never studied the language. And so there were, I think we maybe knew one or two words in the Indonesian language. But one thing was obvious the first day that we woke up there is that we didn't even know how to talk to someone in order to go to the grocery store. And so we had to slowly learn step by step how to function in society. And it's because there was a hindrance. We couldn't rightly function because there was a great hindrance between us and functioning properly in Indonesian society. And that was the language. It was a massive barrier. And what the book of Genesis is telling us here is there was not even a hindrance when it came to language between these people. They could freely talk to one another. They could freely communicate with one another. And so that's, that is something that is very significant. It even says that they had the same words. One of my best friends is from the country of, of uh, Great Britain. He's British. Now, we have the same language, but so often I've realized we don't use words in the same way with them. And so there's been many times where he's used a word in a certain way. And I've said, John, that that word doesn't mean what you think it means. And so I've had to straighten him out a little bit on his usage of the English language. But here here were people, and not only did they have the same language, but they had the same dialect with one another. And so there was no hindrance at all. Now, we might think that that is a good thing. But as we'll see, that is not a good thing because they were united, yes, but they were united in their rebellion and disobedience to the God who had created them. And so we see here in verse number two that these people refused to fulfill the purpose that God had given them. It says that as people migrated from the east or some translations say to the east. They found a valley in the land of Shinar and they settled there. Now, friends, that is only significant when we read this in the context of the book of Genesis. Because from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, when God created humanity, it says that He blessed them and He said to them, Be fruitful and multiply And do what? And fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That was God's original intention that was given to humanity, wasn't it? It was be fruitful, 
Fill this earth, subdue it, take dominion. They were image bearers of the living God. And so they were intended by God to spread throughout this earth. And as they spread throughout the earth, they were to reflect the image and glory of God wherever they went. And we see after Noah comes off the ark that God says basically the same thing to him. He says, God blessed Noah and his sons. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply upon it. And so the same purpose that was given to Adam in the garden was given to Noah after he comes off the ark. Be fruitful and multiply. But friends, that is not what we see happening here on the, in the land of Shinar in, the, in Babel. These people were not spreading throughout the earth. They were not bringing the image of God to all of the far places of this world, reflecting that image wherever they went. That's not what they did. They refused to fulfill the purpose for which God had created them. And so we see here in verses number 3 and 4 that rather than fulfilling God's purpose that was given to them, they did their own thing. They tried to fulfill their own purpose. They said to each other, come, let's make oven-fired bricks. And they used brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. Let's make a name for ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered throughout the earth. John Piper says that God's will for all mankind is not that we would find joy in being praised, but that we might find joy in praising Him. Here, these people were not desiring to praise the God who had created them. But what were they doing? Rather than fulfilling His purpose, they gathered together there in Babel, and they wanted to make their name great. They wanted their, their name to be exalted rather than God's name to be exalted. And so we see here that they're using technology to do this. Now, we read this and we think, well, what's the technology that's there? It's that they're talking about bricks, oven-fired bricks, and mortar or bitumen, whatever translation you're using. But, but friends, that was the latest technology at this time in Babel. And so they, here was some development. You weren't just limited simply to the, the raw materials that you had there, but you were able to create something in order to build something that was more permanent. And so they were using the technology that was available to them at that time in rebellion against God, refusing to fulfill the purpose that God had given them. Now, does that sound familiar to anybody? That, that is basically what we see today, isn't it? In the societies in which we live, whether it's here in America or whether it's in Indonesia, we see a, a humanity that has been united in rebellion against God using whatever means they can to rebel against Him. Whatever technology is available to them, they, instead of fulfilling God's purpose for their life, they try to fulfill their own purpose and desire. And so they say, let us build ourselves a city and a tower. 
They wanted to make a channel to heaven, to access the heavenly places by human device. In the Akkadian language, Babylon literally means gate of God. And so here they thought in their minds that they could, through their own effort, through their own ingenuity, through their use of technology, they would build a gate to God. So that when they looked at that gate, it would not cause them to bow and worship to the living God, but it would cause them to praise themselves for what they had done. And so, friends, that is the root, that is really the core of what was going on here in Babel. Is here were a people who were refusing to worship God, but they were desiring to worship self. They were refusing to exalt the living God, but they were desiring to exalt self. Now, there were no doubt a whole host of other sins going on in that city. I think we can come to a lot of different conclusions, even reading further on in the Bible, about all of the specific sins that were taking place in that city of Babel. But what we see here is the core, the root, the cause of what was going on in that city. They were refusing to worship God. And so in many ways, they were very similar to King Nebuchadnezzar. I think some of you remember this story from Daniel chapter 4. We have Nebuchadnezzar who was another king in Babel, in Babylon. And he also refused to worship God but desired to worship self. And he's up on the roof of his house and he's looking out over this great palace and this great city that he had built with his own two hands. And he looks at it. And he says, is, is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? So here he was, he was exalting self. He was glorying in self and what he had accomplished. And it says there in Daniel chapter 4, while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And so here was a man who also was driven he was, in a, in, a, in a sense, he was scattered just like the people of Babel were scattered. One man named John Calvin, I'm sure some of you have heard of him. He said, this is the world's perpetual folly. Having neglected the God of heaven to seek immortality on earth where everything is perishable and passing away. Having neglected heaven, the God of heaven, to seek immortality here on earth. And friends, that is the plight of humanity. That is the continual striving of the, of the human species to which we belong, isn't it? We are born in sin and corruption and our lives 
apart from the grace of God, are filled with sin and corruption and striving, seeking to glorify self rather than glorify God. And so we see here in verses 5 through 9 that God brings judgment upon these people in Babel. It says in verse number 5 that he saw what humanity was trying to do there. And almost in a, in a way that is mocking, you could say. Verse number 5 says, Then the Lord came down. Then the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. God is mocking them. He's saying, you're trying to build this great tower where you can come up to heaven. But still, in order to see it, I have to come down to look at it. And so here he comes down. He sees what humanity has accomplished. I think the the words of Proverbs chapter 5 verses 21 to 22 ring true about what we see going on here. It says, for a man's ways are before the, the Lord's eyes. And he considers all his paths. A wicked man's iniquities will trap him. He will become tangled in the ropes of his own sin. And that is exactly what we see happening in Babel. God knew what they were up to. Their ways, their lives, they were not hidden from his eye. But he saw what they were doing. And they had tangled themselves in the ropes of their own sin. And so we see here in verse number 6 that God evaluates humanity's disobedient purpose. He says they are one people. They have one language. And then God says this is the only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. Now friends, don't think that God here is simply opposed to human ambition. I think as I was reading for this sermon, I came across one Bible commentator. And that was his, that, that was his understanding of this passage. God simply sees human ambition, and so he is opposed to human ambition. He knows that humanity can be great and can do wonderful, marvelous things, and so God is opposed to that, is what he said. Friends, that is not what we see going on here. God knows that these people are united in their rebellion against Him. God wants what is best for these people. He wants these people to have true and lasting joy in life. And so that is why He brings judgment upon them. So that they will no longer be united in their rebellion against Him. And so God frustrates their purpose. Verse number 7, it says, Come, let's go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. And so from there the Lord scattered them throughout the earth and they stopped building the city. Therefore it is called Babylon, for there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there the Lord scattered them throughout the earth. And so he frustrates their purpose on that day. And so he accomplished this by confusing them and dispersing them. He gave them many different languages. 
Now, friends, this is not a myth for how human languages began. This is God's Word. So this is historically accurate for how we now have so many different languages in this world. In the world as a whole, there are 7,139 spoken languages. In the country of Indonesia, where I live and minister, there are about 730 languages or so. Timor-Leste, where our friend Julio lives, there's about 30 to 32 different languages. And so this, this reality of many different languages, it is a reality that is everywhere. And so this story tells us about the origin of why there are so many different languages in the world. And all of it was because God did not want humanity as a whole to be united in its rebellion against Him. Apart from God's grace, this world is still in the same condition that we read about here in Genesis chapter 11. Wandering and scattered well capture humanity's plight outside of Eden's garden. I think that is a perfect description of even this society that we live in here in America. Wandering and scattered. We see so many different people who are going about from place to place. They have no purpose in life. They have no idea that God has created them that they might glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. They have no idea about that. They're just wandering from place to place. Their hearts are wandering from one sin to another sin. They're scattered. They live disparate lives, separated from other people, cut off from any true fellowship with God's people. This is the plight of Humanity, this is a description of the world that we live in. And so a difficult question is raised by this passage of Scripture that is then answered, I think, by the rest of the Bible. What will God's relationship be like with this fallen human race that is now scattered in fragments? Is the catastrophe of chapter 11 verses 1 through 9 final? Is it final? And all of us know the answer to that question, don't we? This catastrophe is not final. Because we have the rest of the scriptures that teach us, as I said earlier, about the, the, the ways, the, the many different ways that our God has worked throughout history. So that this catastrophe would not be final. So God's purpose for the human race was not frustrated here. If you flip over in your Bible to Genesis chapter 12, you see the beginning of the story of Abraham. And here you see that God's mercy begins to work through this man, Abraham. It says, and I will make a great, this is in verse number 2 in Genesis chapter 12. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. 
And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And listen to this, brothers and sisters. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All of these families of the earth, all of these people who were scattered, and then they developed their own language, they developed their own ethnic group and people and tribe. All of these people, God says, will be blessed through Abraham. And so this is the beginning of God's work among the nations. This is, in a a way, this is the beginning of what God is currently doing in the country of Indonesia, isn't it? Because God promised here thousands of years ago that He would bless all of the peoples of the earth. Every tribe and tongue and people and nation, He would bless them. And He raises up this man, Abraham, to accomplish that purpose. And in reality, He raises up an offspring of Abraham. One who was a descendant of that man who would put an end to this wandering, to this scatteredness that has happened at the Tower of Babel. In Galatians chapter 3, we read this in verse number 14, that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Let me read that one more time. In Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham. What was promised to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12? Might come to the Gentiles. Friends, that's us. Might come to us. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. The blessing of Abraham was worked and accomplished By Jesus Christ. The blessing of Abraham was the coming of the Spirit. The coming of the Spirit to indwell the people of God. To change the people of God. To transform the people of God. And it's through the Spirit that we are made anew. It's through the Spirit that we are given spiritual life. It's through the Spirit that we are transformed from day to day. It's through the Spirit that we have comfort. It's through the Spirit that we have hope. It's through the Spirit that we find encouragement. And friends, all of this was accomplished in the Lord Jesus Christ. All of this is a result of His life, His death, His resurrection, and His ascension to the right hand of God. All of this is a result of Him sending forth the Spirit to work in the hearts of men so that men would no longer groan under the plight of humanity that we read about in Genesis chapter 11, but so that men would be set free, so that we might once again be renewed, that we might fulfill the purpose of God for which we have been created. And so this is why we read in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, it says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, 
Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? What does this mean, they said? It means that Babel had been reversed is what it means, right? They had spread throughout the world with different languages. And here at the coming of the Spirit, the blessing of Abraham being given, here we see humanity united once again in the person of Jesus Christ. And they are all hearing the word of God being spoken in their own language. Babel had been reversed. And so the the beautiful picture, though, that we see in Acts chapter 2 is is not like what we see in Genesis 11, a people united in rebellion against God. No longer are they like that, but they're united in their worship of God. And all of it, friends, is because of what Christ has done for us. All of it goes back to Him. It's because of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, this is our story This is one way of telling this great story that ought to define everything about who we are as the people of God. And I realize that there are people in this room today who are not a part of this story. This story does not define you because you have not been gripped by the grace of God that is there 